It's the Wise Guys Real Estate Podcast, helping you buy and sell in the Okanagan Shoe Swap. Forget about it. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to part three with Jared Hope on the Wise Guys Real Estate Podcast. Today is all about horror stories. This um, this should be an entertaining hour or so. And um, Jared, uh, I guess we're going to learn what not to do today through um, maybe some entertainment. Maybe maybe there's some funny stories in there too, but um, also how to how to live a kick-ass life while avoiding the pitfalls is, is basically the, the topic for today. Joel, anything to Wait. start off? No. Jared, take it away. Oh, I don't even know where to start, but I can tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so I lost a coaching client. So as you guys know, I have my coaching business. And so this, this is a, this is a horror story episode, right? What people are doing wrong and, you know, stuff like that. And so I had this coaching client that I've been chatting with for the last week. Um, nice dude, nice enough guy, uh, young uh, 32, she's 28, something like that. And they were looking at me at versus somebody else. And they ended up going with somebody else. And I know who they went with. And I think people right now, and I'm not saying everyone has to do use me as a coach or a mentor. I'm not saying that at all. Do whatever you want. But this, this couple went with this other guy and this other guy uh, I think people are following the wrong people is what I'm trying to get at this other guy. Like it's kind of sour to me a little bit because people just don't know. And they're not they're, I don't think people are looking at the right information. So this other person that they went with is renting a house. Uh, so they actually doesn't own his own property. They have one vehicle. His wife takes the bus. Um, they, they have two, three kids that are all working at a very young age and I have nothing wrong with kids working at all but you know they they don't travel they don't uh you know he doesn't own a lot of real estate this this one particular coach and so what what happened is they went with this other person because they were a little bit cheaper which is totally fine I get it I, I totally get it but the reality is if, is if that person that coach hasn't made it and now that person's following them, neither will they. They won't make it either. And yeah, that's you know, the, like that's the case. No, dude, it's so it's so it rattles me because like I get dollars and cents and I get, you know, people are afraid to put money in, into themselves and the fear of the unknown. And I get all that. Like I, I I totally get it. But the truth is, I'm gonna be harsh here. The truth is, if there is any doubt that you might not do this. You will not do this. Plain and simple. It's all of like this whole business is all about mindset. It's about believing you can do it. It's about fixing the wiring between your ears that gets the desired outcome. It's not about buying a house. Buying a house is so easy. Buying, you know, I'm watching all these people, more horror stories, just different horror stories than I think what we're going to talk about. I'll get into some of them. I have stripper stories. I have drug stories. I have gun stories i have people blowing their head off stories i got all kinds of those are good too um you know but what what i'm watching is i i um i had i had this other client who's a client of ours now um she's like uh they want they're from ontario 
And she's like, you know, everyone's telling me that I need to buy this house because of, it's going to appreciate this much. And I'm going to make all the money from appreciation. And I'm like, that is totally true. You will. But appreciation doesn't give you quality of life. Appreciation doesn't buy you freedom. Appreciation doesn't buy you a car or a trip or a, a, a coffee, for example. It's just an asset with money in it. And I said, what people need to understand, uh, her name's Cindy. I said, what people need to understand, Cindy, is the appreciation gain will end at two or three properties because you're going to buy two or three and you might qualify, but then the bank's going to come back and say, sorry, you don't qualify anymore because your service to debt ratio is too high. Yeah, you have five hundred dollars or $600,000 of equity in these properties, but you're upside down $2,000 based off of the bank's math, not your math, the bank's math. So then this appreciation game comes to an end, which means the buying real estate game comes to an end because you can't even go buy a property that cash flows now because you're so leveraged out because you're playing for appreciation that doesn't give you anything but money that you can't get for 20 years or 10 years. So you want to talk about horror stories. There's two horror stories following the wrong person. It is way more costly than paying for the right person and playing for appreciation is it's just, it's a short window. It's a short game. That's my rant because that's two live things that are happening in my world that are pissing me off. Excellent. Tell us about the worst tenant you ever had. <laughs> oh man, the worst tenant I ever had. Or give oh, us your top man. five. I don't care. I, I've had lots. Um, you know, like the man. The, I've shared this story before on other on other on stages, and it's a it's a great story, and it, it's the story of Eric and Rosa. And like legit, these are their names. And this is probably the worst tenant I, I've ever had just because I didn't have the experience under my belt to know how to deal with it. And so it was it was the second house I ever bought. Uh, oh, sorry, guys. It was the second it was the second house I ever bought. And it was the first rental that I ever had. And the address was one one two one two one two one oh three sixty first street in Edmonton. And so I bought this house. We just get possession of it. It had blue windows. It was a suited house, non-conforming. So it was illegal. Um, it was pretty dumpy. I paid $118,000 for it in a rough part of town because some agent told me that it was a good part of town. It was an up and coming part of town. So I, I'm like, oh, whatever. This guy I know. So I'll buy it. And little did I know that that was like the one of the worst parts of town is an area called Montrose in Edmonton. And it was a Sunday. It was legit like mid morning Sunday and I'm, I'm painting these windows from blue to white. I'm on a ladder up front. I'm painting these windows and this minivan blue minivan pulls up. This lady pops out of the driver's seat, walks around, opens up the sliding doors on the minivan. Out come three kids. Eric's uh, Rose is wearing this red dress. And I'm just like, sweet. Like what's going on? How can I help you? She's like, Oh, I saw your sign for rent. Um, we would like to know about the house. And I'm like, great. Well, tell me about your, who you are. Well, my name's Rosa. These are my kids. We're just coming back from church. I'm like, thank God. Hallelujah. <laughs> and like, God just sent me these people. And 
you know, so I, I have a little chat with her and she's like, yeah, uh, my husband, Eric, he's, a, he's in construction. He just got laid off. Uh, we're getting evicted from this house, but the landlord's an asshole. You know, they weren't taking care. So all of a sudden she started playing this, you know, sob story to me. And I wasn't equipped to know what was going on. So all she's doing is just pulling at my heart. And next thing you know, I rented to her legit on the spot. And the next eight months were some of the worst months ever. And the way the relationship ended was uh, eight months later at nine o'clock at night, I knocked on the door and they owed me probably at this point, $8,000. I knocked on the door and I reached in, Eric opened up the door. I reached in and I grabbed him by the ear legit by the ear and i pulled him out and i'm like get the fuck out of my house you're not out in two fucking hours i don't have a fucking clue what i'm gonna do and i legit threw him back like i was so fucking mad <laughs> like this is back in 2003 so this is like 18 years ago so i'm 43 right now now you were pissed just because because you weren't getting paid or there was other stuff well lots, in, like, there? I, I, in my world he was stealing from me you know it, he's legit stealing from me and my family yep. he's avoiding my calls with frustrates the fuck right out of me when people avoid me like if i have a problem with anyone i'm gonna call them up and say i have a problem with you let's talk about it here's what i need here's how i'm gonna solve it you know here's a payment plan let's work this out like full communication so they're dodging me like crazy and and that earlier that day i saw eric at home depot and so i knew he was in the house i knew he had money because he's at home depot fucking spending it and so i lost my shit <laughs> Like legit locked my shit. So anyways, two hours later, I come back to the house. So two hours later, it's 11 o'clock at night. I roll by the house and they are gone. There's things in the house, but all the beds are gone. Clothes are gone. There's a couple dressers, some lights. There's some things out on the front step that say free on them. Um, dressers that they free on them. And the next day I came in, cleaned up the house, garbaged everything, threw that thing for sale. And I sold that house. And that was my very first experience of uh, a bad tenant, uh, not vetting the tenant, not screening the tenant, uh, being too emotionally attached to the outcome of the rental. And Hence also ear grabbing. Yeah. Totally. And also having <laughs> uh, a house in a challenged area and not being equipped uh, experience wise to be able to handle that property. Nowadays, I have lots of properties in challenged areas and we do just fine with them because it's about, you know, there's certain tenants that will live in certain houses and it's all about aligning the two with each other. So you, I, I have lots of properties that are subpar and I've had them for 15 years and they work great. It's just that this house, I just wasn't equipped and I wasn't ready for the experience that this house brought. Yeah, I've worked, yeah, I in, one similar. Uh, I've worked in enough um, management, I think, that w as soon as you, you as soon as you mentioned that, the, the whole sob story to begin with, um, now I know, just as I'm sure you do, that's instant red flag, right, in terms of, yeah. and it's so hard not to, you know, you have an opportunity to do something for somebody and, you know, potentially help somebody in their situation out, but you can't do it because, <laughs> well... Well, like Months I later. very hard to not be a sniveling crybaby. So if I have to listen to it from someone else, it's a no. Yeah, but it's really hard. Like, yeah. you know, like I think all the listeners have to understand that, you know, like as much as, you know, this is a great house and, and you love it and you have huge pride in it. 
you know, and, and the next person might say that they're going to do the same. They're going to treat it the same. I, I think what I've learned is I have to view it like they're not. And what I look for now when we vet tenants is really two things. And the first thing has two points. The, the first thing is, are they going to pay rent um, on time? And are they going to take care of the house? Those are the two things in, in the first point that we look for. Those two things, we actually don't know if it's true or not. We have no way to know if they're going to pay rent on time. We can do our due diligence. We can make sure they have a job. We can call their references, which are probably lies. We can, you know, do, do any, all of that stuff. We can look at pay stubs. We can get copies of bank accounts. We can get all that stuff. But the reality is people get divorced. People die. People lose their jobs. COVID happens. Recessions happen. There's all kinds of things that will show up that we don't actually know when times get tough if they're going to pay. The other part of that point, first point we look for is, are they going to take care of the house? We don't know that either. Like I've never lived with them. I don't know who these people are. We have 600 tenants. I don't know all 600 people. I don't even know any of the 600 people. And so those two are the unknown. We do as many searches as we can to make us feel like they're going to take care of it. But the reality is if somebody's leaving a bad situation, they're not going to use their, that person as a reference. They're just not, they're going to use a buddy. They're going to use a coworker. They're going to use a fake boss. They're going to use their husband as their boss, whatever. We've seen it all. The third thing, the second thing we look for is uh, the second point we look for is credit. So when we do credit checks for everybody and that credit check tells the tale of their life. So if I would have did a credit check on Eric and Rosa, I wouldn't have rented to him for sure. Because I would have seen, I shouldn't say that. I, I probably still would have because I didn't know all this stuff back then. But if I would have seen all this stuff on their credit, that they that means they're not paying their bills. That means they can't afford it. That means that means because that's that that, that they can't lie about a credit report. The third thing that I would, or sorry, not the third thing, but the big thing that I think I'd have all of your listeners do is to take the information that they found from that tenant. So if they do references and credit checks and social media searches and gut, and if they just compiled all that information and then went to a third party, went to a friend who has no idea about the house or the tenant and ran it by them, let them decide if you should rent to that person because that is truly what takes out emotion. Because I could do the references and everything sounds good. And I think they're, I think they might be lying, but my place has been vacant for two or three months, or, or I think it might be vacant for two or three months, but it's only been vacant for two weeks. And I start panicking because now I have to pay this bill to the second mortgage I have to pay. So now I'm really stressed out that, and then they, and then I do a credit check. And then that credit check has three or four collection files and, or it has some, you know, some behind payments, some R1, R9 that, I still might approve them because I might buy their story. But if I called up Joel and said, Hey, listen, Joel, I got this tenant. They, you know, they have six dogs. They have five kids. Uh, but fuck dude, they were so nice. He just lost his job. Like, man, they, they're just trying to get back on their feet. They have four collection files. They have three credit cards that are behind two months. Um, and this is a two bedroom basement suite. I think I'm going to rent to them. What do you think? Next. Right. Of course you're going to come back and say, no, not a chance. But the fear of being vacant, the fear of me being out of pocket will allow me to rent to those people. I see it all the time. 
that, so, that's a massive poor story. How easy is it to pull a credit check? What do you do? Yeah, it's it. You know, there's lots of companies out there. We use a company called uh, Tenant Verification Services, um, and it's like I don't know, twenty bucks, maybe eighteen bucks, twenty twenty two bucks to pull a credit check. It takes seriously three minutes to run a credit check. Um, there's also companies out there, like I think there's a company called Rent Check that does it as well. Um, there's uh, Neighborly, a company called Neighborly. Um, there's lots of ways that people can pull credit checks. It's pretty easy. Cool. But people don't do it because they don't want to spend the 20 bucks. It's the most fucking bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life because they, they'll go put a tenant who says they're all this stuff in a $400,000 property or a $500,000 property, but they won't spend $20 on a credit check. Yeah, they need to have two or three roses first. <laughs> no. I, like I had no, a, is... a guy named Matt I'll, for the sake of being a nice guy I guess I won't say his last name I, oh, that we talked about that one that's the guy with the dog the vet one right yeah <laughs> and so but I'm gonna there was another house to that one next door and that's also been demolished so that's it was a land assembly deal eh? and so this one here I rented it out to a couple of I was a couple they seemed like a nice couple and it turns out he was a Coke dealer oh, man. and he was Mr. Macho man. And he liked, to, he liked to be intimidating. That was his hobby. And so I'd go there to collect the rent and, you know, I'm average size at best. And uh, he's got his pit bull out front yapping at me as I'm knocking on the door. And so <laughs> This is not really what I thought I was getting myself into, eh? And yeah. so, fast forward, uh, turns out this loser gets thrown in jail, and his wife or girlfriend, yeah, I guess she had a little bit of a heart, and she was there, and I, I explained my situation. They, they couldn't be there forever not paying rent, and she said, yeah, well, he's in jail, and yada, yada, yada. And so... Because he was in jail, uh, she packed up the shit. They actually left, surprisingly. So then uh, one of my good buddies, Bip, um, his dad had a restaurant, a commercial building. So simultaneously, he's having a tenant issue in his restaurant. And so they have some beef or whatever, and there's grease thrown all over the walls and something thrown down the sewer. And so... My friend and I go to the courthouse to support his dad because he's in a lawsuit with this tenant and he's trying to, to get something back. Eh? So I'm joking with uh, my buddy and I said, well, I'm surprised my, uh, my tenants aren't here as a joke. And I walked around the corner and there they were, that cute little couple sitting on the bench and <laughs> In the courthouse, eh? it was just like one of those serendipitous moments is like, whoa, that's funny. Yeah. And they waved at me and it was like, oh, hey, you know, they they're just, they <laughs> oh, like hey. me, I guess they just wanted to rip everybody off. It wasn't personal. Yeah. Yeah. And when in doubt, uh, I mean, there's some, I guess there's some guys you can rip their ear off and other guys you probably can't. Right. So well, there's a, well, there's a, there's a great big bastard, a, a bailiff around here. And these, yeah, like it. it 
it took me like seven years to share that story about how I grabbed his ear. And oh, hang on. And the reason why it took me seven years is I'm like, ah, I don't know the statute of limitations. I don't want to get fucking charged. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's been like 18 years, so it's fine. Um, so funny story. So, uh, so everyone in my office knows this story. And because I think like, it's a funny story and I reference it a lot of time on doing the proper checks. And here's the story of what happened if you don't do it. Um, about a year ago, eight months ago, we got an application from Eric and Rosa. <laughs> so, oh, shit. Yeah, I swear to God, they, they applied. Did you handle that file yourself? No, no, I saw it and we didn't even run it. We just called them back <laughs> saying, yeah, you're declined. And uh, yeah, just too funny. Like, you know, back then I didn't know to put people in collections. I didn't know how to take them to court. I didn't know like the systems were different. Um, no one ever, no one was giving me guidance on how to do that. I was like legit learning as I go. So and, tell us about that though. Sorry to interrupt, but collections, yeah. how do you, what's the process? Oh, I got a funny story about court too. Um, now that you bring that up. Um, like I have a, I, I've ended up creating my own collections division at Tilt. So we do all in-house collections now and it's awesome. But it's like in, in Alberta, like, you know, the Tenant Act in Alberta is pretty good because I can serve someone a 14 day eviction notice and it's actually 16 days because the day it's served on and the day it comes due on don't count. So it's actually 16 days. You know, we can get a property back within 16 to 20 days. We can be in the court systems within three weeks. Like everything's pretty, pretty good in Alberta for, for that. Um, you know, so a funny story is years ago, this is probably, uh, uh, this is probably 2000, seven 2006 2007 i had a couple staff at the time and we had this tenant that we had to take to court so in alberta i call it kangaroo court because you never know the outcome it's just a joke um so in alberta they have something called the residential tenancy dispute services rtdrs and it's 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 legit kangaroo court like it's it's terrible and so i went to court and i i was evicting this tenant and everything was in my favor. I had files of paperwork, five legit files of paperwork, evidence, pictures, signed contracts, uh, copies of texts and copies of emails and move-in pictures and doc uh, reports or uh, uh, witness statements. It was just I was I was prepared. And I go sit in this courtroom, and it's like you're sitting at a boardroom table, and uh, you know the the tenants over here, and I'm over here, and then. The, the hearing officers in the middle and this tenant shows up with like legit nothing like no, nothing no evidence no witnesses nothing and I have all of this stuff and so I, I go first I present I get to ask questions and I think it's legit court and I have all my evidence on the table and then the judge turns to this tenant and I'm thinking I'm crushing it I've crushed this court like because I play to win all the time. And the judge turns you know to the hearing officer. Yeah, totally. The hearing officer turns to this lady and she's like, that wasn't my understanding. And the judge is like, so long story short, the judge ruled in her favor because she understood something different. And I'm like, where's your evidence? And I'm like, you have no evidence. I'm like, you know, this, the guy's name was Barrington or something like that, Barring, Barrington or something like that. Um, and so I started getting mad at this guy. I'm like, how can you take her side? She has no evidence. 
look at everything I have that I'm snapping in court. And so at one point in time, I stood up and I slammed my hand on the table. And I'm like, this is such a fucking joke. How can you rule in her favor? And it was like something like $12,000, right? And it was a lot of money. And he's like, um, excuse me, Mr. Hope, if you raise your voice one more time, we're going to escort you out of the building. You're in now, this is, I'm like, this is such a joke. I kept on getting mad. Sure enough, security comes and they escort me out of the fucking building. <laughs> and I, so I, obviously I lost the case, obviously. I was so mad because I had all the evidence. She had initialed everything and it was just, he just was ruling in her favor no matter what I did. He was anti-landlord. So fast forward. So then ever since that day, I'm like, fuck it. I'm never going back there again. Mainly two reasons. One, I'm not allowed back. And two, I don't want to go back. And so that was the day we created, essentially the day we created our collection business. Fast forward two years later-ish, I got called in as a witness to another case that Teresa was working on. I get called in as a witness. Uh, this time they call me over the phone and they call me on the phone and they're like, yeah, hey, so, you know, is this Mr. Hope? I said, yeah. And they're, they're like, yeah, this is so-and-so Barrington or Bar Barrington or something like that uh, with the RTRS. I'm like, oh man, this guy totally knows who I am. And so we're, he's interviewing and he's a dick to me on the fucking phone. Like he's being a dick to me on the interview and he's asking me questions. So he's grinding me on behalf of the tenant. So finally I'm like, listen, I know you don't like me. I don't like you. Here's the evidence. You do what we want with you want with that. I lost, we lost that case too. And so anyways, those are two funny stories about the residential tenancy dispute services on, on really how I'm not allowed there because I just lose my shit on this system. So I don't know how the, how the, how the eviction system works. I have people that do it. All I know is I lose my mind on people if they're in my house for too long and I want them out because they're stealing from me. Makes sense. You know, so, so at the end of the day, you know, my advice to people is outsource as much as you can, if you get emotionally attached to something, like obviously when someone's in my house and they're living for free, I'm emotionally attached to that. So that leads me to do things that I probably shouldn't be doing or saying things I probably, even me, and I have 20 years of experience. I've transacted hundreds of properties. I've seen thousands and thousands of tenants. I can kick your tenant out, no problem. And I'll follow all the rules. But when it comes to mine, I go squirrely. I don't like it. I'm not a bank. I'm not lending them money at 0% interest. I'm not going to let them get three months behind. I want, I want to be paid or get the fuck out. Unfortunately, we have to follow, or fortunately, I guess, we have to follow the <laughs> rules and regulations. You just can't go grab someone by the ear anymore. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 18 yeah, no years ago, it's fine. But, but, but a lot of yeah. that is lessons I never knew. Like no one, there was no programs. There was no courses. There was no, you know, there was no guidance for me on how to navigate through this world because I thought that I would buy a house and it'd be smooth sailing for 20 years. I thought that I could buy a hundred houses and it would be smooth sailing for 20 years. No one told me the bad stuff. No one told me that tenants don't pay rent. No one told me that tenants, you shoot people in houses. No one told me that they do grow ups. I've heard, I heard stories, but I'm like, that's not going to happen to me. But the reality is the more properties you buy, the more chance that stuff shows up. So does someone get shot in one of your rentals? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I had this guy at uh, 90, 92, 4 96 app. And this guy. What great, neighborhood is that? Uh, it's, it's, in a, it's in Grand Prairie, so northern Alberta. Okay. Um, and the area is called Smith. And so I had this guy. He's a 10 for a year, year and a half, two years, something like that. Good guy. Like, I never had a problem with him. So I don't know if he was a good guy per se, but I never had a problem with him. Paid his rent on time took care of the house. Every time we drove by the lawns were cut, did inspections. Everything was fine. No red flags. And then, uh, one night I got a call from the RCMP at like four in the morning and they're like, uh, yeah, is this Mr. Hope? I'm like, yeah. Um, let's go. Cause at that point in time I was, I used to do the emerge line. Um, so this guy called RCMP, Hey, so-and-so this is constable, whatever. Uh, we have an issue at, this house and i'm like oh man what's the issue like what happened and so anyways what happened was this guy had a party and this guy had a party at his house and you know someone got stupid which normally happens and so they kicked this guy out so they kicked this guy out at about 12 12 30 at night i guess and they kick him out there's a there's a scrum to get him out he wasn't happy whatever get him out and the party continued so at like three 30 in the morning, everyone's passed out. Everyone's like parties over people have left, but people have stayed and passed out and whatever, uh, buddy, someone knocks at the door. And as he's knocking at the door, um, my tenant goes to the door to open it. And it was a door, uh, you know, your exterior door, but it had a window in it, had a picture window in it that was stained so you could see the shadow through the door but you couldn't see who was through on the other side of the door so as my tenant comes down reaches for the handle to open up the door a bullet goes through the door and shoots him in the fucking guts and so now the door is open because he unlocked it and buddy comes in with a gun just fucking starts shooting at people that are sleeping and passed out didn't kill anybody. No one else got hit. Thank fucking God. And fired off a bunch of shots, a couple rounds and took off down the street. So the police ended up catching them and all that other stuff. But the, the, so the buddy goes, I'm trying to remember his name, but I forget his name, which is weird. Cause I usually remember everything. Uh, buddy goes to the hospital, gets treated. The next day I talked to him and he's like, uh, I suspect I'm getting kicked out. <laughs> I'm like, yep, yeah, yeah. Pretty sure you have to fucking leave. And yeah, so he fixed all the bullet holes, uh, patched everything. And did he, did he get his damage deposit? No, no. <laughs> so I kept it because I had to apply it to next month's rent. And he's pretty cool about it. You know, it's just one of those things that, you know, shit happens. And, you know, the RCMP, they, they caught the kid. They filled me in on what happened. Uh, you know, they charged that, that guy, obviously um but yeah so that was a funny story like that was that was bizarre like luckily no one got killed <laughs> yeah. but uh you know shit happens like you know that was probably that was probably 2008 you know so at that point this point in time i had about 90 80 90 properties maybe and you know so i started by by the time i got to that point where i got that phone call i was pretty calm about it you know i was like yeah okay look we'll deal with that we'll fix it whereas if that happened you know, 2003, 2004, I, I would have been hopped in my car and I would have drove at four o'clock in the morning 
to go fix it or to go deal with it or to go beat this kid up or to go grab him by the ear and throw him out or whatever. Right. Um, you know, so as you get more experienced things, you, you start getting leather skin, I guess, and things just don't phase you. It's, it's like, okay, whatever, we'll deal with it. Yeah. You know, I've had houses flood. Like, you know, I've had houses, I've had tenants slip the lines um, uh, on all my uh, toilets and uh, smash my sink, um, plug, plug the bathtub and, and turn it on. And it was just overflowing. Um cut the water line to the water tank like all in the same house this is all in the same house and, and you know two days later or a day later i come in and there's like a foot of water in the basement and they plug the drink floor drain like i've seen everything like i've had i found grow ups i found uh, a guy blow his head off in, in a basement i found uh, i walked into a uh, um, a house with four or five strippers all naked that was pretty cool um, <laughs> that was that was a good story um, like, can look, you uh, I, allude to uh, <laughs> the strippers? <laughs> Better not. You know, so, yeah, that that will be on the paid version of the podcast. No, no, like this is a good story. <laughs> like, so I rented to these strippers, and and you know, like at, at at the time, I'm like, what a great idea, and I still think it's a great idea because a lot of times these dancers um, are like they're actually really good people. Most of them are really good people. Like they're just trying to make a living. They're trying to pay bills they typically some of them will have kids um you know the younger ones not so much but the older ones so they're you know they make really good money and it's all cash which is another great thing at this point in time that i wanted was a lot of cash and so i rented to these strippers and they took care of my house impeccably they were there for two and a half years uh every friday saturday uh night they got picked up in a limo from the strip club and like it was it was it was interesting it was an interesting way of you know, I've never experienced that before. And anyways, I went, came, I came and did this inspection one time at this house and I posted notice on their door, on the door the day before. So they knew I was coming. They legit knew I was coming. And because it says I'll be there at two o'clock and at sure enough, I walk into the house <laughs> midday. I, I, I pull up to the house when all their vehicles are there. I knock on the door and I'm like, no one answered. I opened up the door. I'm like, hey, it's Jared with Hope Properties. That was the name of my company back then. And it still is. That's my holding company. I said, hey, it's Jared with Hope Properties. No answer. But I hear music. So I'm like, okay. So I go downstairs and I do the inspection where the bedrooms are. Everything's good. I come upstairs. And as I come up the stairs, it's a buy level. So there's like five steps up, landing five steps up. And so I go up the five steps around the corner and into the living room and everyone's naked. And there's toys and there's like, they're just having fucking morning coffee. It's almost right. It's just normal. Right. And I'm like, Hey guys, I'm here to do inspection. And I think, I don't know. I think they're doing that to fuck with me. Like, you know, Oh, they're still having a laugh about that. Yeah, totally. Like over the two years, like uh, every, every time I was in town, I'd go try to check on a, a handful of properties and you know like they were just fucking with me like they weren't trying to do anything they weren't doing drugs they weren't doing anything bad i think they were just testing me to kind of make me feel uncomfortable because obviously they're used to being naked and you know it was pretty funny like that was just an awkward awkward moment for me it was classic yeah dude it's pretty funny i love that one so uh, let's talk about tilt for a minute um do you if people are having troubles in like the Edmonton area, are you still looking for P 
people to bring on or what's your growth strategy here? Like, do you want to go in and take care of some business if people have tenants aren't paying rent or? Yeah. Good. Great question, man. And thanks for bringing that up. So years ago I used to be called landlord rescue. So the first version of tilt was landlord rescue. So over the years of buying real estate back in, since 2003, I've been, I had management companies and, and they're, most of them were, all of them were pretty bad. I went through three of them. And so finally in 2008, I fired my last management company and I started doing my own. By 2010, we launched a version of Tilt called Landlord Rescue. And back in the day, it was awesome. However, uh, re- the word rescue implies that I want shit. I'm like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to save you. And so we were getting lots of landlords who were in trouble. They had bad tenants. They were behind eight, nine months. They had damages. They had, like, it was just, it was awesome because my ego loved it because I could go in and clean all this stuff up super quick. And, you know, we made really good money cleaning stuff up. But what I realized is that wasn't really the clientele that I was after is people who are in trouble. Um, Not that bad, not in that much trouble. And we still take on those clients now, but the word rescue was like attracting all of that stuff. So over the years, we refined our client profile. We came up with, you know, we launched Tilt Property Group, which is a rebrand of all these versions of the various companies that I've had over the years. And so now Tilt is like, you know, I think Tilt's the best business model in Canada when it comes to property management, because we have all the aspects of it. You know, we keep the owners in control. They, they collect their rent. We have all the systems for that. They approve their tenants. Because if you actually look at the model of property management as a whole, whether it's in Kelowna, Kamloops, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, it doesn't really matter. The concepts are all the same is the management companies typically in control of all the moving parts. They pick the tenant, they decide what repairs, they decide when they collect the money, then they pay you at the end of the month where none of that works for me. So what we want is clients who, want to be in control of all the macro level moving parts they want to approve the bills they don't want to go fix the toilet they want to you know approve the tenant they don't want to do the showings so we've created the system where our owners are in control um i do to answer your question Joel, i do absolutely love taking on clients who are in trouble mainly because that's my ego because i love being able to go in and fix it and just because I know the situation, I know the feeling that they're in and it's scary and it's hurt and it hurts. Like I was talking to a guy the other day, he's been vacant for eight months with another management company and that he, he's just rattled and I'll have his place rented out in 20 days. But these other management companies, you know, they, they just do the bare minimum because they don't actually know what it's like to own real estate because most of them don't own any real estate. So their systems are based on the theory of how to run it versus the practical experiences on how to get shit done. So, you know, so tilt was created mainly to protect my portfolio, but over the years, what I've realized is that tilt, you know, can help everybody, but the benefit to tilt is I don't need to grow it. Like I make all my money off of my, my real estate. So we take on six to eight clients a month. That's it. Other management companies are taking on 20, 25. I don't need to take on 25. Six to eight gives me steady growth. It keeps all my team busy, makes everyone bonuses and profit share. 
Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's still a business, but I don't need, I don't live off of tilt. I live off my portfolio and tilt and my flips and my coaching. I got many different aspects of business, right? So I don't know if that answers your question. That's a long way to answer for sure. No, I love it because, you know, my, I, I'm, we've managed pretty much all our stuff ourselves, right? And as a realtor, there, there's a lot of people pissed at property management companies, right? Like there's people, they, they get placed and now they're in there, they're collecting their monthly revenue, 10% or whatever it is. And they do a very average or sometimes subpar job. And, you know, the, if the onus is on the, is on the owner and the owner is managing the manager and you're providing all the tools to make it happen and educate them if they run into some difficulties like that to me is genius yeah like i, I would so years ago i was uh, you know i'd go i was at rain right so you know so i'd, I'd be at rain and, and i was on stage and they'd be everyone would be like manage the manager you can't you know like it's impossible to manage the manager it's my systems it's my team my team answers to me not you my team has our policies and procedures our guidelines they like we I manage the team and not me, but Carla does my, my CEO, but my, I recently started saying, well, I've been saying it for years, instead of manage the manager, you need to manage the relationship with the manager. And, you know, because the truth is people will work harder for people that they like the most. That's the truth. Absolutely. You know, I, we have a lady right now, this isn't going to air for a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm going to share this story because she probably won't be my client then. Cause I'm going to fire her that right now we had a contractor. Okay. We had one of our staff go to her place, do some work accidentally threw out the key accidentally. We didn't, we didn't say, I'm going to throw this key out. We're going to throw this out. Like we don't do that shit on fucking purpose. It was an accident. And she is hammering us right now because we lost her key. She wants that person to be fired. She wants a written apology. Finally, I have to email back saying, fuck off, cool your jets. Because this isn't how you get shit done. You get shit done by saying, listen, okay, great. I get you lost the key. That sucks. What are we doing about this? What are you doing to get this key back? It's work with us give us a little bit of slack because mistakes happen. And what people need to understand is that mistakes happen. They don't happen intentionally. They're an accident. That's why it's called a mistake. Yeah. And, and when, when you're doing you this, they happen all the time. Totally. Like, you know, like I just have, like, I have very little patience for people who are snapping on my staff who are working fucking hard to get and, and to provide an excellent service to their tenant and all these moving parts that when we lose a key, like I'm going to pay for that key. It's going to cost me time to go send someone to go to the condo association. It's going to cost me $75 for a fob. It's going to cost me time to go ship it. It's going to cost me. It's costing me. I am going to make it right. But, but the point is don't go puke and want someone's head because we lost a key. Yeah. And, you know, so, but that's a classic example of she's trying to manage the manager she's trying to manage our systems she's trying to get deep into the weeds versus just saying hey listen i get you messed up can you fix it for me please 
Yeah. A car? Yeah, yeah, I'll fix it for you. Here's what we're going to do. How does yeah. that work for you? No, that doesn't work. Okay, what do you need? Like have grown up conversations versus treating the management company like they're a bunch of minions. Yeah. And yeah, I'm terribly sorry. Here's a gift certificate for a hundred bucks. Oh we're going to take care of it. Don't worry about it. It's, Bang. it's not even, okay, Joel, like, so we've been in business since 2000, well, since 2010, I've had a version of a property management company to some degree. Since 2017, we've launched Tilt Property Group. And hang on, so I'm not, I'm not, I don't want any of the listeners, I hope they don't think like I'm an asshole by sharing this story with this client. It's just an example of how you can't manage the manager, but you can manage the relationship with people. And, you know, like, that's the whole point is manage the relationship. That's how you get what you want and allow people to make mistakes. And as long as they fix the mistake, as long as there's not too many mistakes, like we, we, we've been managing this lady's client uh, condo for three years with no problem, but we lost the key and all of a sudden it's a fucking train wreck. So since 2017, we launched tilt. It's now 2021. I, I have, I have probably 400 clients ish 350 to 400. And I can count on one hand how many times at Christmas we get a thank you or a Christmas card or a, a, a Starbucks card or a fucking chocolate delivery or something. And I, and I, and I get it because people don't want to spend the money. They take us for granted. I get, I get all that. I get the mindset of that. Cause I, I used to go through that too. But the reality is my team, I watch my team and they work hard to manage these 500, $600,000 properties. And when someone, we just had a client, Stefan, send in $50 gift cards to all of the team. All of the team got a $50 gift card to Starbucks. My team was lit up. And now every time Stefan sends in a request at any time of the day, they get lit up to help this guy. Yeah. So, you know, that's an example of how to manage the manager. Um, I'm going to share another story, totally off topic of property management. So in 2003, 2001, I was working for Xerox and I was, uh, I was selling photocopiers and, and uh, fax machines and printers and, that, and that's a tough business, slinging that stuff. I started on a team of 18 or 16 or 18 people. And after six months, I was the second worst salesperson on the team, second worst. And this is all about the stories about how Let's to just manage say there's room where there was room for improvement, <laughs> lots of room for improvement. But this is a story about how to manage the relationship with people to get the desired outcome that you want. And so I've now co- coined the phrase manipulation with integrity. So there's manipulation to serve me, which is out of integrity. And then there's manipulation with integrity where I know what you need as a client my job is to move you down the path so you see it. Once you get to the desired outcome and you achieve the result, I will then benefit from it. So that's manipulation with integrity. That's how I define it. And there's people that manipulate to serve themselves first, and that's virtually no integrity. So back to my Xerox story, a second last on the team after six months. And what I realized was I couldn't get through the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper is a receptionist. I would walk in. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. My name's Jared. I'm with Xerox. I'm here to talk about your office needs. Is there a manager I can talk to? 
no, give me your card. I'll call you. We'll have them call you if we're interested. That was legit how it was. And I would do cold call after cold call after cold call. After six months, I'm like, this doesn't work. So finally, I went in one day and I'm like, hey, my name's Jared. I'm with Revenue Canada. And I we're here to do an audit. I would like to talk to your manager. And true story. Two managers Top salesman in five minutes. Two, two managers come out. And I'm like, they're like, hey, how, you know, what's going on? And I said, oh, hey, I'm actually Jared with Xerox. I'd like to talk to you about some photocopiers. They kicked me out. Uh, they were not happy with me at all. <laughs> but what I learned was I had to find a better way to connect, to get past the gatekeeper, to get to that person. Yeah. That was the lesson. So I said, it was the joke. I was mad. I was grumpy. I just, fuck it. I'm going to try this. And it didn't work. It was funny. So the next day I went to 7-Eleven. And I went to 7-Eleven, I, I, bought a, I got a bunch of uh, plastic bags. Back in the day, you could pick the candy right out, of the, right out of the jars and put it in your own bag. Nowadays, the bags are already pre-made. So anyway, so I went in and picked a bunch of candies, five-cent candies, five-cent candies, filled up about 40 bags. And then I'd walk into the receptionist, and she'd, I'd be like, hey, how are you? They'd be like, I'm good. And then they'd come back and say, how are you? I'm like, I'm unbelievable. I'm so good today. I could have been unbelievably shitty. I could have been unbelievably stressed out. Everyone hears the word and they say, unbelievable. Oh, that must be good. It's not. It's a descriptive, it's a descriptive word. So I'd walk in and say, I'm unbelievable today. I was just in the area. Here's a bag of candy. I wanted you to have something sweet that you were, you remember me by. That was it. I never tried to make a sale. I never tried to get past the gatekeeper. I never tried to ask for anybody else. Here's a bag of candy. Thank you very much. I was just thinking about you. So what I started doing there was I started connecting with the gatekeeper. I started building an emotional attachment with somebody. Fast forward two months later or a month later, I'd come back and be like, oh, the candy guy's back, the candy guy. And I'd have another bag of candy. Fast forward two months later, never asked for the business. Fast forward two months later, all of a sudden I was getting a phone call saying, hey, our photocopier just broke. I remembered you were in my shop. Can you come by? And all of a sudden I became the second uh, number two in sales in, in our company within six months. So the whole lesson that I've learned from all that, with them, which I'll share with all, all of the three listeners on this podcast is that, which is the three of us, is that it's all about managing the relationship with the person to get your desired outcome. It's not about tell me about your systems. Tell me about your policy. It's none of that matters. You do business with people that you trust the most and the people that will solve the problem when something shows up. That's with a realtor. That's with a property manager. That's with a lawyer, accountant. That's with everybody. Car salesman, uh, iPhone sales, whatever it is. Like you do business with people who are good at managing a relationship. Yeah. Another, uh, like a fiduciary duty is a nice play on the, manipulate what was yours again sorry the uh management or the manipulation by oh yeah no uh manipulation with integrity with integrity and so you know being a realtor they hammer this fiduciary duty thing into your into your head right but as a fiduciary and you know you you learn as you go and what works and whatnot because the reality is a lot of the general public looks at a realtor as a glorified sales or car salesman. Um, so 
to get past all that, like uh, for me, it's all about adding as much value that you can for each interaction you get. And so if it's someone who knows you, it's simple. You're repeating your referral. Yeah, you do business long enough in any field. The repeat and referral should take over. But if you, for us, as you want to grow your business, if you say you get a listing and then you get a lead from someone out of town, well, they could be the perfect buyer or they could be a perfect client or you never know, right? So our strategy now it's evolved into this is everyone gets the royal treatment right out of the gate. And my job is to know if they are a real client or not. Or if it's a client I want to work with. So in the same situation with Tilt, you got a client there that's berating your staff. Well, you've built your business up to a point now where you can trim some of that fat if you don't want those, those people dragging the business down. And um, so I, 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 I don't, I'm not very pushy on the sales side. My whole thing is add as much value as I can. And those people are glued to me Yeah. every single time. Yeah. You know, like we don't lose a lot of clients uh, right now. You know, when we lose a client, it's because they're selling the house. And, you know, they'll 50% of the time, they'll use one of the, my realtors that I refer to. The other 50%, they have a friend, which is totally fine. Or they know somebody else that's totally fine. You know, so customer service to us is very, very, very important. And, it, you know, just like we want our clients to manage the relationship with us, we, we work really hard at managing the relationship with them. And we work really hard at managing the relationship. I had a, I had a client, a, a potential client. I talked to him last night. He sends me this email, and he's like, "I read your Google reviews, and you're like a three point four on Google. Uh, why? And versus a five on Facebook, I think we're like a four point six or something like that." And so I said, that's great. I said, thanks for, I said, I sent him an email back. I said, thanks for the email. Here's some information about our company. Here's, here's some attachments. I said, please note, if you're reading reviews, make sure you're not just looking at the number. Go read up my responses to those reviews. Because tenants say the funniest things. Like, you know, we have 600 tenants and, and, you know, 580 of them are awesome. No problems. But these other 20 cause nothing but problems. It happened. And even, even when we clean up those 20, a new 20 show up that cause nothing. But it's always the same rule. And, you know, every time you have a tenant that moves out and you keep a security deposit, there's always a problem because they all think that they cleaned it well enough. They all think that they, there wasn't a hole in the, in the wall. You know, we, we had a tenant that uh, ripped us online because we charged him to replace some grass because he drove on the grass and parked on the grass and he ruined the grass. So he rips me online on, on Google. Yeah. They, you know, they even charged me to, to, to replace the grass and I had to park on the grass because I was like, he admitted he ruined the grass, but yet he's ripping me and gives me a one and he lays into me. So then I reply back saying, yeah, dude, reread your post. You just admitted that you wrecked my grass. So no wonder I charged you to fix it. Here's pictures of the before. Here's pictures of the after. Just, just stop lying. Like it just, you know, it's even a tenant. If a tenant can learn to manage the relationship with them, with the management company, that relationship is a lot better. So instead of just coming out guns a blazing, just pick up the phone and say, Hey, what's going on? Like, explain to me why we did this. Explain what happened. Oh, okay. Like I think our job as humans uh, is 
I'm going to say this again. I think my job is a person in relationship, whether it's in a relationship with you guys, relationship with my wife, relationship with my client, relationship with my tenant, with my trainer, whatever it is. My job as a, as a human in relationship is to understand how you might see something. Because if I can understand how you might see something, it doesn't mean I have to agree with you. I just have to understand, okay, that's why you did it that way. I don't want it done that way. I want it done this way, but I get why you did it. That right there will mitigate the conflict that people have because people will just naturally default to, oh, you're screwing me. Well, I'm not screwing you. This is why we do it that way. Ask the fucking question. Yeah. Okay. So well, that's, that's my little rant. That's my little rant about managing the manager. This has been great. Um, the story has been awesome. We got to wrap things up here, but Jared, maybe I got one more question for you. Um, what you've been doing this a lot, like a lot of years, right? You, and you've, you've, you've done a lot of, you've almost done it all, right. Or experienced it all. Um, what was, what was the decision for you to enter into this, into this path to begin with? Like the, the original thing before you started doing anything, I'm just kind of curious of where you were at that time uh, before like, yeah, I want to do this. And, and has it gone as, as you've expected it? And then, and then where, where do you see yourself going down? So yeah, good um, questions, man. And so then you're um, talking getting you're talking about getting into real estate. Yeah. And then if we have time, if you can bang it off quick, I I'm I just can't let it go. I gotta hear the story about how the guy blew his head off. <laughs> um, so fit it in. <laughs> yeah, I'll fit that one in. That's a good story. Well, it's a sad story, but it, it's good. Um to be honest, I didn't want to anything to do with real estate. You know, like if, if we were to reference the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I was the poor dad mentality. And it was like, you know, I've always been told to go to school and get grades and go work and go work and go work. And my my dad, love him, great guy, phenomenal guy, worked for the government for 30 some odd years. So that was all I knew. And Krista, Krista's parents are farmers in northern Alberta. They owned an SO bulk station. Um, so they were entrepreneurs. And they taught Krista to work for yourself and, you know, build and, and, you know, be an entrepreneur and, and have businesses. So back in, back in the day, I was, um, I was a personal trainer by this time in 2003 and Krista owned a massage studio. So she already had a couple employees by this time. And um, I might've actually been in school. I think I was in school uh, when Krista approached me and said she wants to go to this real estate event so and I'm like no I'm not going I'm not I have no interest in going to this real estate event so she went to this real estate guy his name's Terry Pranich she went to listen to this Terry Pranich talk and he's a big realtor in town he owns like 170 some odd properties at this point he's actually a really good friend of mine now and so Krista went and listened to Terry and she came back and she was all lit up and then at this point in time I had a friend named Patrick and his wife Stephanie they're like, you know, next weekend or whatever weekend it is, they're in October uh, 2003. They're like, there's this real estate weekend. Uh, back in the day, it's called Quick Start, which is a real uh, rain event, real estate investment network event. And so Chris and I went to this event. We went as their guest and I didn't want to be there. I thought it was a cult. I thought it was like a fucking rah-rah, like a, you know, multi-level marketing. I thought there's some kind of scam. And it was a, Friday, Saturday, Sunday event, Sunday or Saturday, sorry, I took off for lunch and Krista stayed and listened to Don Campbell do a spiel about 
signing up as a member. And we were broke. Like we legit had no, like nothing, like legit we were broke. And, you know, so I came back from lunch and Chris is holding this bag. And she's like, look, I signed us up. Oh my God, this is so great. And I got mad and I'm like, what the fuck? Like that's $300 a month. We can't afford it. And so that for the next six months, I'm like, fuck it. She signed us up at 17 months. I'm gonna go to these fucking stupid meetings. And so I went to these meetings. I sat in the back of the room with my hat down, arms crossed and my Lululemon gear. Cause I was, I was transitioning into being a personal trainer. And, um, six months later, I bought a house and, you know, a year, six, six months after that, after my first house, I had three, a year later, I had eight, uh, or eight more, sorry. So I, I was up to like 11, 12 houses after year two. And uh, to be honest, I, I didn't know the outcome. If, if someone would have told me back then that in 2021, I'd have a $6 million house on the lake, I'd be buying a McLaren, I'd have a $250,000 boat, I'd have two CDs. I never would have believed that. I wouldn't have been able to understand that's how it works. And I don't say any of those numbers to brag at all. It's just the reality of how this game is played. So we ended up buying a bunch of real estate. We ended up buying a bunch of JV or taking on a bunch of JVs, acquiring, acquiring, acquiring. And, you know, I didn't know any better, man. Like no one ever sat there and said, here's the pitfalls and watch out for this. Like I was quickly learning as I went. And I was a pretty quick learner. So was Krista in the sense that if I got punched, if I, if I was sitting here and I got punched, I was smart enough to move a little bit. So the next time I get punched is graze my cheek to the third time I'm missing the punch. So I was learning every single time I got hit, whereas other people just continue to get punched over and over and over again. They don't adapt. Um, so to summarize all that stuff, Chris is just walking in to summarize all that things to summarize all that. Like it was Krista that got us into the business of real estate. Not me. I had zero interest in it. Um, you know, and I'm, but I'm very grateful for the path and the journey. Like life is unbelievable because we we've held the course, you know, like real estate's hard. And, you know, I go back to Eric and Rosa, I could have, I could have quit. I could have sold that house and never bought another house. You know, I didn't, I, when that house flooded in 2005, you know, I probably had about 25 properties and there's $175,000 worth of damage. I could have quit. I, when that guy got shot in 2008, I could have quit. I could have packed it in. This is too hard. This isn't for me. I, you know, I'm, because you hear all these horror stories about real estate. So we all quit, 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 or not we, but people want to quit. And I just never quit. You know, it was always like, okay, that sucks. Let's get through it. That sucks. Let's get through it. You know, it's like, I'm going to the gym. I, I'm going to the gym right after this and it's a leg day. And every Wednesday I do heavy, heavy legs to the point where I can't walk Thursday and Friday. It fucking hurts. It hurts. But I do it every fucking Wednesday. Every Wednesday I show up and I do legs. Every Friday I show up and I do heavy chest and tries. It hurts. And sometimes doing the things that hurt gets you the best results. As long as you can learn from them and adapt. So that's, that's kind of how we got into it. Um, it was all because of my wife. If, if I didn't, if Chris didn't get us on this journey, I would probably still be selling photocopiers or selling something, making my 80, 90 grand a year, having an okay life. But I would have thought it was a great life because I wouldn't have known any better. Cool. With regards to the shooting story, this is a sad story. <laughs> 2000, 2009, 2010, um, uh, 
you know, we're in the financial recession, obviously just at the tail end of it. Um, like the impact that that had on people was, it was crazy. It was just hugely detrimental to a lot of people. And we had this suited house, uh, 882966 app. And uh, the tenant up there's one day called and said, hey, there's a weird smell coming from the basement. And we're like, okay, well, maybe the guy did a midnight move. Like he paid his rent, uh, you know, so whatever is like the middle of the month. So we're like, maybe he did a midnight move and there's, or he's out of town or something like that. So we tried to call, tried to call, tried to call, no answer. Finally, I sent the, uh, I sent uh, my maintenance guy by, posted a notice on the door and to go in the next day. And when he was down there, he's like, some fucking smells in here. Like, this is gross. And you know how sometimes, you know, like if you were to have a fridge full of food and you take the power off and you close the door and two weeks later you open it up and it's like, oh my God, that's the smell. That's what it was. It was gross. So we're like, oh, maybe there's like, we just expected to walk in and have all kinds of food all over the place and bags of food and fridge and like, you know what I mean? And so my tenant, or sorry, my, uh, my, the next day, my maintenance guy goes back to the house, unlocks the door. And as soon as he opened up the door, I got this crazy smell of, shit like death essentially that's what it was and so he opens up the door turns to the right he turns to the left couldn't see anything but when so he walks in he rounds the corner and there's a, like a pool of blood that's coming outside the door still can't see anything but he saw this blood so he, at this point we don't know if it's like you know some meat some steak something like i don't know like a dead dog i don't i don't know anyways he rounds the corner and on the wall is like it's all smeared with blood on, on the wall and on the roof. And as he rounds the corner in the bedroom, this guy's dead on the floor. And so what happened was a couple, obviously a week or so earlier, the tenants upstairs were gone and body took a shotgun and took his own life and like splattered all over. Like it was, it was like, it was really sad. It was gross. Um, really unfortunate. And it was really hard to, to call the police you know it wasn't it wasn't hard like we obviously called the police but it was hard to navigate all that and you know because I, on one hand i'm trying to be a, a kind human being compassionate and understanding but on the other hand i'm like it's fuck i gotta clean this up and it's gonna cost me money to clean this up and you know so to make a long story short or to shorten this long story you know the 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 parents were awesome uh, I can't even imagine that situation that they went through, but you know, they paid the next month's rent. They paid to clean it and fix it. They took care of everything for us. It wow. was completely awesome. They didn't have to do it. And that was one of the most, uh, humbling, heart wrenching, terrifying, makes me want to puke just sharing the story experiences I've ever had Yeah, in business. And like, even that story as gruesome as like today, I own that house. It's now, uh, 10, 12, 13 years later, you know, I bought that house for $280,000. It's worth maybe 500. Uh, I owe maybe 72,000, $74,000 on that. My total rent is $3,000. I think my total payments are about $700. You know, like we're making bank from that house. Going back to 2008, nine, when this guy did that, if I would have packed it all in, you know, all of a sudden, my, like those situations alter life for me. Like I get that guy's life was altered and that family's life was altered, but there's little things that, you know, I could have jumped off this ship multiple times. 
where I find that people get out too soon because something bad happens and they can't take it. And what I think people have to do is they have to insulate themselves that when bad shit happens, they're protected and they're not impacted. And I think people play this game so poorly that they're too emotionally attached. When you're emotionally attached to the outcome, you make poor decisions. And I really believe that in real estate, you can't make a mistake in real estate. You just got to hold on a little bit longer. You can buy a house unless it's, unless it's a complete, you can make a mistake. Let me say that again. If you play the game semi-quasi, right, you can't make a real bad mistake because you just hold on to the house a little bit longer. You pay off that debt, you ride it out and you change your mindset of what that house is. So you're not emotionally attached to it. It's a simple game. Cool. Okay. Well, I'll wrap it up there. That was unbelievable. Uh, again, thanks for all your time spending with us. The three-part series has been awesome. Um, definitely learned a ton. Joel, any closing thoughts? Yeah. Thanks for sharing, man. I know you had to be out the door five minutes ago, so I'll let's, let's wrap it up. Uh, but It's all good. You know, it's, uh, what are we going to do next? The three amigos here. <laughs> Listen, three- I, so let, let me say thanks for, uh, letting me have a voice on your guys' podcast. Um, I've gotten to know you guys, you know, rather well. I would, I would think I'd consider you guys friends. Um, that over the last few months has been rad, and I've enjoyed uh, sharing stories. I love sharing stories. I love the, the the bluntness that you guys bring. I love the energy that you guys bring. I think your podcast is rad. I think you guys will hit it out of the park. Um, and as far as future, dude, anything you need. Uh, like, I love it. And I think what you guys are bringing and the impact you guys want to have out to deliver to people, that is, you know, that's something that I, I can and will get behind. I love it. Thanks. Awesome. So, okay. Yeah. okay. Until we have gotta, a beer. I got to go do legs. I got to go do legs. You've inspired me. I think I'm going to do one now too. Well, listen. So uh, one, one last quick story. I've been doing uh, the 75 hard. Have you guys heard of this? Well, I seen you post something, but I didn't look. Oh my God. So so I've been doing it for about 40 days. So what it is, is it's two workouts a day, 45 minutes uh, outside, 45 minutes inside. Uh, A day. day. Okay. So every day I'm working out, every day I'm working out twice a day. And uh, so then you have to work out twice a day, follow a diet, uh, any diet, whatever you want, drink a gallon of water, and um take a picture of yourself every day and uh read 10 minutes a day and so for the last 40 days i've worked out 80 times 80 times and it like dude it is so rad i love it i love it i love it i love it and i went for like an hour and 20 minute run i'm running an hour and 20 minutes now i'm down about seven pounds i'm starting to get muscles i have an ab i have one ab starting to show up it's so rad (laughs) And, uh, no, you know what it's for me, what it is, it's just, you know, it's, it's just focus. It's just mindset. Oh, the other thing I started doing is I no longer listen to music when I run. And so at the start of 75 hard, I throw in the AirPods and I just listen to tunes where now what I do is I throw in the AirPods and I listen to podcasts. So every single day I'm listening to podcasts, mindset, belief systems, changing your belief systems, uh, who you hang out with is who you'll be money mindset that in the last 40 days, maybe the last 30 days when I started this concept of listening to podcasts every day, 
my business has gone like this. My creativity is, is inspired. My, my mind is inspired. My heart is open. That people, what, what I've realized is people, what they do is they numb out. They numb out uh, where, they're, where they are. And when you numb out where you are, what happens is you start regressing. You know, it's kind of like working out is if, if I, right now I'm in shape, I'm working out like crazy. But if I were to stop working out, I'll start atrophying. I'll start, I'll start getting out of shape. So I can sustain the fitness for a while and all of a sudden it's going to drop and I won't even know it. And I think that's what people go through in, in this journey of real estate. They'll buy one or two houses or they'll sell one or two deals or they'll have some success. And she's like, yeah, I've arrived, but you haven't arrived anywhere. So then they get complacent. And when you get complacent, that's when mistakes start happening. Um, so my advice to people is to always find ways to not get complacent. You, it's okay to camp but you want to have checks and balances in place that when you camp too long, they're going to kick in and get you out of the camp and they're going to start elevating your game a little bit. So, and that's just not in real estate. That's in personal development. That's in relationship. That's in workout. That's in everything. Um, so anyways, that's, so I'm doing 75 hard right now. It's really, it's amazing. Awesome. Okay, man, we'll let you go. That's it. Thanks so much. Thanks again. We'll see you on the lake. Hey, yeah, dude, anytime you guys are in Kelowna, man, uh, the dock is done tomorrow. Lifts go in on Friday. My my sea dues come on Saturday. My boat gets put in the water on Monday. It is going to be an epic summer, man. Epic summer. <laughs> awesome. And you're going to be shredded to boot. Dude, I should show you a picture of my ab. It's unbelievable. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, that's excellent. All right, okay, man. I'm not take showing care. you a picture of the spare tires, so don't even ask. <laughs> Okay, see you boys. Uh, all right. Thanks. Thanks, Jared. Later.